From Nashville, Tennessee, Southwestern Family of Companies welcomes you to the Action Catalyst. Each week, we share insights and inspiration for movers and shakers in the world of business. Our goal is to help you increase your self-discipline, overcome procrastination, and help you to take action on all the things that really matter. Doing warm business with friends and friends of friends. That is the theme of today's episode. What better way is there to do business than to do business with people who are friends? But we're actually talking about the science of it, something, an area called network science, behavioral science, psychology, sociology, mathematics fit into it, but it's network science, the study of networks. And we have a professor here from Oral Roberts. His name's David Burkus. We've had him on before to talk about exactly how the science of doing business with friends of friends works. And this is something you don't want to miss because this is the warm way to grow and build an amazing business quickly. And it is a, it reduces your call reluctance. It reduces procrastination. It increases your results, helps you make more money, helps you do it in less time, all while having more fun. And most importantly of all, bringing value to other people and making a difference in their life and you sort of just benefiting as the byproduct and the residual value of that. So it's a great episode. I'm so glad you're here. I I know you're going to love it. It's going to make a difference and we'll get started just after this message. This episode is sponsored by Southwestern Coaching. Southwestern Coaching has helped over 11,000 people increase their incomes by over 25% on average. As a successful salesperson, you know the importance of increasing your sales, but sometimes you might just need a little extra push and accountability to meet your goals and grow your business. Southwestern Coaching will help you increase your income through one-on-one sales and leadership coaching tailored specifically to your needs. Together, we will elevate sales, To schedule your free one-on-one business action planning session with a Southwestern coach, go to www.southwesternconsulting.com forward slash action catalyst. I have an old friend back here on the podcast today to talk about an old topic, but with brand new insights. That's what we're doing. David Burkus is here. Uh, You may remember that we had him on over about a year ago, I think, talking to sort of about under new management and workplace culture. And he is sort of one of these these cutting edge thought leaders who is both a, a, a professor, he teaches at Oral Roberts University about behavioral science, networking, you know, network science, psychology, sociology, sort of in this space. Um, he has a TED Talk that has uh, almost 2 million views. He writes for the Harvard Business Review. And he's just one of these people that's like super smart. And I think if I hang around with him, that maybe people will think I'm smarter because I roll in circles with um, people like David. And so anyways, his new book is is coming out. It's just, just coming out. It's called Friend of a Friend. And so it's kind of, again, in the space of network science, but it is more scientific uh, than maybe what you've heard. And that's what we're going to talk about. What's, what is fresh and insightful related to sort of the networking space. So David, welcome back to the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Well, let's do this. So, so tell me, so friend of a friend, one of the things that kind of caught my attention about this, it's rare that we have people back on the show, but... Um, it was a line. I'm actually going to read the line. It said, offers readers a new perspective on how to grow their networks and build key connections 
but it's based on the science of human behavior and not on rote networking advice. So what does that mean exactly? Yeah. So there's, like you said uh, earlier, this is not a new topic, right? We know this is important. We know we've heard the phrases, your network is your net worth, right? And, and all of those sort of phrases. And yet most of what we're consuming is what I would call networking advice, right? And it's, it's someone's advice on here's how to give the perfect elevator pitch or how to introduce two people. And it's good stuff. I mean, some of it, you know, how to win friends and influence people is a, is a perennial, it's a, it's a classic, right? So it's good stuff, but it's usually it's one person's advice, right? And, and that one person, can sometimes be different than you, that one person can have different experiences than you, etc. And a lot of people take that advice and then they go to the event or they go to that thing where they're trying to meet new people. They try and put that advice into practice and then they feel weird and sleazy and inauthentic. And well, like no wonder you feel inauthentic. You're trying to be someone else. Someone else's thing, yeah. By, by, you know, by doing their thing. So I'm trying to take a little bit different track, which is for the last uh, 50 or 60 years, scientists from a variety of fields, math- mathematics, but also behavioral science, behavioral economics, sociology, etc. Have been studying how networks actually work. How if, if A is connected to B and, and B is connected to C, how are C and, and A's relationship? And what, what's going on in sort of the broader network? And so the, the big idea is I think most people need to learn less of someone else's advice and need to learn more about the network that they're already a part of and get a better map on that and then respond accordingly. And when you do sorry. that, oh sorry, go ahead. Well, I, I wanted to stop. I wanted to interrupt you right there because you talk about this in the book, where you say you have to think differently about networking. You say it's, it, you know, it's not. Don't think of it as building your network. Think of it as. Yeah. So, I mean, a network is not something you have and networking is not necessarily something you do. Like you already exist inside of a network. There's one network, 7.4 billion people strong and counting, but then whatever industry you're trying to, to sell to or be a part of whatever community that you're engaged in, that's already a network. And the better strategy is to figure out where am I in this? Who am I already connected to? Who do I need to be connected to? How can I chart a path from from me to them, et cetera. And when you, when you start to do that, it looks a whole lot less like running around trying to just add people to your contacts on LinkedIn or on email addresses onto your phone. And looks a whole lot more like mapping the community that you're a part of so you can start providing value to that community and letting that value come back to you. Yeah, I mean, that is a, it's weird. It's like, that's such a subtle shift, but it's a, it, it results in a, a much different behavioral shift in what I do. Like if I'm thinking, oh, I have to build a network, it's like, I got to find, like, I got to add a bunch of people. But if I, if it's more like, like, I like the word you use mapping. If I'm trying to map what network am I already a part of, then it's like, I'm, I'm seeking the warm connections and trying to understand the natural flow of how a network works versus trying to manufacture something that's superficial. Exactly right. And you know, a lot of us, when we think about growing a network, we immediately go to the sort of strangers approach, right? I'm going to go try and meet new people, whether that's at an event or whether that is um, cold calling, whatever it is, I'm going to try to meet new people as opposed to knowing that inside of the network that we're already a part of, there are people that we know, but we haven't talked to in a while. We call these in network science, the weak or dormant ties. There's people that are, are, are warm referrals. They're one degree of separation out from us and we can be introduced to them. In fact, the, probably the, the funniest study in the entire book is uh, looking at, is there truth behind six degrees of Kevin Bacon, right? Oh, you've yeah. heard this game. And so, and we, what, what happens is it, people train and connect, try and connect one actor to another actor through Kevin Bacon in six steps or less. And it's possible. It's also possible to do it without Kevin Bacon. In fact, there's actually nothing special about Kevin Bacon. He's a fluke of history. In terms of, <laughs> in terms of being connected, he's the 669th most connected person in Hollywood, right? Oh, 
Now, I know it's pretty bad, but it's good news for all of us, right? What it suggests is that if you think about your, you're not, you may not be in Hollywood, but if you think about your industry or your geography as a network, you don't have to have this incredible super connectors network. You're already probably one or two degrees of separation out from everyone that you need to meet and, and get to know. It's just mm-hmm. a matter of knowing who, what is my path to them? Who could introduce me to them, et cetera. That's, that's a much better strategy than thinking about like, okay, I need to just add as many new contacts to my, to my app as possible. It's much more about going, okay, I need, I know I need these types of people. How can I get better connected to them? Yeah. And so, so talking about a little bit of the practicality there, um, so that is different, right? If you, if you, if you, if you believe that premise, I'm already only one or two degrees of separation from everyone I need to know. Um, is there anything specific that we should be doing with that information? Or is it just more of like, it's about the mindset shift of going, just nurture, spend time nurturing what you have and work that, not building a new network. So, so I would say that's the first part. I would, the second is as you're nurturing the connections that you already have, I coach a lot of people to get in the practice of asking the question, who do you know in blank with blank being whatever industry sector segment that you want to get to know more of. Now that's different than what most people will do. If they find out, usually they'll wait till they find out that they have a connection to that one person, that amazing person that's going to fill their quota for the, the quarter or going to introduce them to the Hollywood executive that's going to get them in a feature your film, right? We, when we think about that, maybe we even like, we don't even know we LinkedIn stock and then it tells us we have this connection. Then we go to that one person and we beg for an introduction. A better approach is to sort of systematically be asking contacts we already have. Hey, who do you know in blank, whatever that segment is, and let them come up with not just one person, but a list of names. Usually that list of names is going to be people they would be comfortable introducing you to. And when you're doing that to five or six different people and the same two or three names come up, that's a strong signal in terms of the network that that's the right person for you. And that that person is also probably different than the one that you thought you needed to get connected to. I mean, if there's 7.4 billion people in the world, the likelihood that the person you think is going to transform your business is also the person that really is going to transform your business is pretty small. So it's better to have a very open edge mentality of I'm trying to explore the fringes of the network in its totality. And then we can figure out who are the right people to get connected to. Yeah. And it's, it's like, you know, networking through somebody you know is going to create a much stronger likelihood of an ultimate result than than just meeting somebody new, trying to manufacture a relationship quickly to get introduced. It's like the strength of the the literal strength of the network breaks down. It's not it's not very very solid, right? Um, so I, I do want to ask you this. So in the spirit, I think that's a really powerful tip. There's something that we teach, which I'll probably cover in the debrief related to, you know, just asking who do you know? One of the other things that I love um, is you, you talk about networking events um, and you have, a, you have a stance on them, which we're not going to talk about here. But <laughs> there is a term that you introduce called multiplexity which I really love because I love terms that make you sound like you're really, really smart person. And this is a, this is one of those terms that you could like throw around at the office of like multiplexity, but it's powerful and it's a simple. So can you, if you're going to networking meetings, tell us what is multiplexity and why does it, why does it matter and how do you use it? Yeah. Yeah. And and the the way uh, to think about network meetings is sort of like adding fuel to the fire of doing this warm lead thing anyway, right? If you go, you're going to accelerate that. But what a lot of people do um, is they run around and they ask, in my opinion, the wrong question. They ask, so what do you do? 
which is sounds like it's a great question because it sounds like it cuts out of the small talk and gets to the heart of it. But there's a 12, I call it a $12 word, multiplexity. And, and what it is in network science is it's essentially a realization that even though A might know B, there are multiple different ways in which people can know each other. So when we have just one thing in common or one reason to connect, we call that a uniplex tie, right? Hmm. So when it's just work related, that's a uniplex tie. If we work together, but our kids go to the same elementary school and we also you know, see each other at the gym, that's a multiplex tie. There's multiple different contexts in which we see each other. And the, the research strongly suggests that you will build a better and deeper relationship with someone faster if you're building multiplex ties. So we go back to this question, so what do you do? The problem with that is if you're at a networking event, especially, you're in a situation where the context is sending a strong signal that we're supposed to talk about work. And then when you ask, so what do you do? You send a strong signal that that's what I'm interested in talking to. The context is going to shift your conversation to work eventually anyway. So I advise people lead with a little bit different question, right? Something that's open-ended, something that they can explore. So this could be anything that feels natural, but explores some other dimension. So what excites you right now? Where did you grow up? I actually like to ask who's your favorite superhero, just because you can learn a lot about somebody when talking about <laughs> superhero. But anything that explores them from another aspect. I mean, humans are multifaceted. Like, are you a Republican or a Democrat? I found that's, yeah. a, that's a great way to start. Yeah, it's a fantastic... <laughs> <laughs> uh, we actually, so, current president. That's so a there's, another, there's actually another principle in friend of a friend called homophily, the idea that like attracts like that suggests that might not be the right question. But, um, but any of those, humans are multifaceted creatures, right? And the way that you build a deeper relationship stronger with them is, is to be multifaceted by the different elements of them. You get to know them better on multiple different levels. And you do that, I think, by starting with a little bit different question. It might sound like small talk. It might sound trivial, but you're exploring other possible avenues and things you might have in common. Mm. And when you come back to work, you will have a deeper relationship, a stronger level of trust, et cetera, than if you just focused in on work-related things. I love that. Well, the other thing is it, it, it signals too that you're not just trying to make money off of a person you're meeting. It, it at least creates the impression that you sort of care about the person, right. <laughs> you know, in addition to establishing this sort of multiplex connection points it it's a it feels more personal than just oh hey we should exchange business cards and and introduce each other to people that we know yeah, no, exactly. I mean, the, the key is you also have to be legitimately interested in the other person, right? Which is part of being a decent human being. Yeah. But, but if you are, then there's no reason to stay within those guide rails that we think we're supposed to do of the, so what do you do? Let's exchange business cards. Let's only think about each other in a work context. The other thing is that as you go throughout your whole, the longitude of your whole career, you might actually find that your personal friends, the people that are connected to you for sort of non-work reasons, end up becoming work relationships. In front of a friend, we tell the story of Whitney Johnson, who's a brilliant thinker, a good friend of mine. Oh, I just got connected. Someone just introduced me. Yeah. Oh, she yeah, yeah, yeah. writes for HBR too. She right? does as well, right? This yeah. is how we know each other. But she got, when she went to Look work Look at us. For- We're establishing multiplex, <laughs> multiplex connection right here, live in front of everybody. Totally. Well, and the fact that you and I have a friend of a friend, there's a, so the book is called Friend of a Friend. The fancy $12 word is called transitivity. So there's another word that you can, that'll make you sound smart. But yes. we talk about, we talk about Whitney because Whitney's biggest sort of thing before she went as a writer, speaker, thinker was she worked 
worked for uh, an investment firm called Rose Park Advisors, started by Clayton Christensen, the brilliant mind behind disruptive innovation. How did she get that job? Well, she was working in Wall Street, but she got that job because she was serving on a committee at church with Clay Christensen. He got to see mm-hmm. how she worked in that capacity. And that was the capacity that made him say like, you know what? I want you to lead my firm when I start it, right? Which is not, you wouldn't think that at all. Like no one's job advice is go start thinking about the people that you know from church. But the truth is people are multidimensional and you have no idea how those connections are going to pay off in the future. So be generally interested in all of the facets of someone. And it will not only pay off because you get to know them better and are a better human being, it'll probably pay off in the long run, even in your career as well. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just making a note here about, you know, there's probably less natural resistance. It's kind of like, you know, when I sold books door to door when I was in college, um, which I think cold calling, it, I don't think, I know cold calling still works. It can work. Um, it's, it, there's a certain things you got to follow and one of them is a numbers game. But one of the truths about cold calling is when you're cold calling, there's a certain number of barriers you have to overcome. The same is true when you meet someone in a networking meeting. It's like you have to, because you're there, you have to overcome a certain barrier of like, oh, we're all here just like trying to make money off each other. Whereas in a church board meeting, you don't have that barrier um, what is the word transitivity? And, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah, it's a it's a fancy word for if A knows B and B knows C, C is more likely to know A. In in reality, too much transitivity is actually a bad thing. Like when you have too many of the same close connections, then you all kind of think alike, act alike. Uh, everybody knows each other, so that even the introductions and referrals you're going to get are very similar to you. So transitivity can actually be a bad thing. We need some of it because we have to have close connections, but we also have to monitor what's my, how much time am I spending with the same few people versus right. with the people that are further out in my network that I'm sort of rewarming those ties. Uh-huh. So let's talk, I want to, uh, there's a concept again here in the book that you talk about uh, structural holes, sort of these different commu- communities. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So this is probably one of my favorite insights from the, the whole world of network science. Structural holes refers to networks. I mean, we just talked about transitivity. That leads to sort of clustering. People tend to cluster off, right? So they cluster off by industry. They cluster off by ideology, like political ideology. They cluster for a bunch of different reasons. And what that creates over time is it's almost like planets in space, right? There's Earth and there's Mars and in between there's nothing. Well, sometimes there's the moon, but you know what I mean? Like it creates a gap, an empty space in the network. And it turns out that the people mm-hmm. who bridge that gap, who connect two communities to each other, who allow to, who become sort of an information flow between them, those are the people that end up creating the most value for both of those communities and the people who generate sort of the most value for themselves because they're seen as that connector. And this is, you know, if you think about this in a, on a rudimentary level, we know this in the sense that like, if you work in sales, for example, you have the group of salespeople, that's a cluster, you sort of uh, community of practice, then you have the target market that you're, you're working in, that's another. But do we ever think about, okay, what are the other clusters that are kind of connected to that target market, right? And some, some industries do this really instinctively. Real estate agents, for example, are great at knowing that they also need to be connected to the title company and the mortgage right. officer people. But the same thing works for sort of almost all of it. I, I cut my teeth, my first job out of school, um, I was a pharmaceutical sales rep, right? And one of the advantages that I had was that there's drug reps and then there's doctors, but there's also nurses, there's medical device reps. There's a couple different clusters that if I can start to bridge a lot of those structural holes, I can create a lot more value for everybody. And that spills over into my own career as well. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. So there's two examples of that happening. So one of them is this podcast. Like 
we started this podcast literally because I have so many friends that are like author, speaker, entrepreneur, thought leaders, and they all have books coming out. And they were all asking me, hey, can you email your list to promote my book? And I was like, I can't email our list every single week. But then it was like, we should just do a podcast. And then you have this whole other community of, of people in our audience and stuff that it's like, you know, we're creating that connection. And this podcast has been huge value for our life. And all we were doing is just kind of like, connecting two obvious groups together. So I, I, I love this. So, I mean, look at all these SAT words I have. Like I'm going to kill at Scrabble, multiplexity, homophily, transi transitivity, and structural holes. Like we're just killing it. Um, so. <laughs> you know, I love it. And if I, can, if I can brag on your business model for a while, this sort of new business model, it's, it's brilliant from that structural holes thing. It's also brilliant because one of the other insights is that like, you, can't, you have to bridge, you need a cluster, you can't stay in it forever. And so there's sort of, what you've done is kind of created a concentric circle model where there's the big piece of content, there's yeah. training, then there's your smaller group that you can have the conversation. That's, that's straight up in line with a lot of this research and makes for kind of a powerful model. I, the only thing I wish about it is I wish that I could have sent you this book a year ago so I could take credit for your model. <laughs> so brilliant. But hey. Well, yeah. Well, maybe we can be a case study in the second edition or something. There you go. No, yeah, exactly. We'll 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 see. But yeah, I mean it's just interesting, you know, and I always feel like it's fascinating how God puts things in your life. And traditionally I've never really thought of myself as honestly much of a of a, a community builder. I've always sort of thought of myself as more of a lone wolf, but then, you know, Southwestern Consulting has has grown, not just because of me, because probably more not because of me, because of my partners, you know, we built this team and following and then we had the podcast and that's become a community and, and now we're doing the mastermind and it's like, man, I love this. And it's just, it's, you know, what's crazy to me, David, it's crazy to me that there is, there is value generated for me when all I do is connect people, mm -hmm. like it, it almost feels like it's too easy. Like it, it's like, I'm not doing, and like, I'm not doing, I'm just connecting two friends, but somehow there is value. There's like a value exchange between the two of them that there's like a residual effect that somehow flows down to the connector. So even though we think about this as usually like, who can I get to introduce me to somebody? It's like the, there's value for the introducer. It feels like, I mean, would you, yeah, oh, no, absolutely. Like, you know, it's, it's in the, the, I'll give you another SAT phrase. The fancy yes. term is social capital, right? This is a term that describes the value when a community is well interconnected versus geographically dispersed, but also it's the value that the person doing the, that spills over into that person doing the connecting, right? And, you know, I think the big takeaway, like takeaway number one is that people should probably be, be a better, bigger part of your mastermind groups, et cetera. But the second one, if you're listening, is how can you be that same person, right? What is the community that doesn't exist, that needs to exist, that would help your career? help your clients, help people that are doing something similar to you, you've got to go build that on the small scale as well. Because one of the things that we know from the research on structural holes and on social capital is that there is not a spillover effect, right? If you're the broker, there's a huge value that's created for both communities and for you. If you're one degree of separation from that broker, none of that value spills over, right? It doesn't affect your career just because you know the person connecting. You have to be the person connecting. Wait, say that again. You're saying there's, there's value if you are the broker, but not yes. if you... So I think that everybody needs to stop and go, okay, where can I build that little bit of a community? Where can I connect to communities? Where can I be a broker even in the small scale? Because it's not enough to just rely on other people to always be giving you those introductions, right? And you, and you know this from your own career in life, but there's a body of research behind it as well. You, but you have to be that person that's actually connecting. And, and everybody can. This is not an introvert versus extrovert thing. This is not a uh, how long have I been in my career thing. 
everybody can begin to pay attention to the network that exists and start to connect groups and communities and even just individual people closer together that creates value for that network and it will spill over to you in, in turn. See, and I think that's what's even so cool about the way that you're, you're talking about this is it's, it's like where you said, you know, this isn't an advice book, like, hey, go, here's how to introduce yourself and your elevator pitch. But there is, there is a value, like we tend to think of networking as the value is derived from figuring out who can I be introduced to. But really, there's the, the first place to start is by if you focus on just adding the value to other people, you win as a byproduct. And that it's like if you don't feel comfortable asking to be introduced to someone else, intro, play the role of introducing two people together and out of that uh, social capital. <laughs> right. And what I love about the term social capital too, is it, it works just like any other capital. It, it compounds over time. So you've got to make the little investments in it. You can't just start withdrawing from it right away. Like I can't buy a mutual fund and then go, I'd like to withdraw a hundred thousand dollars from it. It doesn't work that way. I have to actually have invested that amount of money first before I can do it. And networks, you know, they, they work the exact same way. And really, I mean, if I'm, if I'm going to be um, a little bit braggadocious. This is the big theory of the book too, which is let's try and connect these two communities, the people that study networks and the people who need to know how to network better. It's not just advice. It's, Hey, I'm trying to actually connect this. If it works, that will be why, by the way, I have no idea whether or not it'll work yet. We still have to see the reaction of the book, but if it works, that's it the reason there's a, there's some amazing stuff that like you and Southwestern consulting are putting out that is in line with the research tremendously. And I'm just trying to be that connector to, well, here's the evidence-based community that backs up all of the things that you're advising. Yeah. Yeah. Plus you're going to be like my phone, a friend when I'm playing Scrabble. Um, so there's <laughs> like a value exchange, but I think, you know, that's this concept of friend of a friend is, is really cool, but I, I think it's powerful to see be, the data about the science, the sort of the science behind it. How do you know, like you said, Kevin Bacon is the 669th connected person in Hollywood. Yeah. Like, how do you, what's the process that y'all are doing to come up with something like that? Okay. So, so in that, in that specific situation, the way that the researchers did it was they basically took the data from internet movie database. And basically we're saying, if you acted together in a movie, that's a connection, right? And so they can explore, it's a very sort of big data thing, right? Um, fa actually Facebook, by the way, does the exact same thing. I know we're in a bit of a data privacy in Facebook, but they actually almost every year release a study that shows based on the number of connections you have, like how many uh, bridges does it take to connect everyone in the Facebook community? And while it might be six degrees of separation for the 7.4 billion people who are, who are out there, for the 2 billion that have a Facebook account, it's actually only four introductions. So it sort of shrinks it. So you look at it, when, when we're saying Kevin Bacon is 669, it's because of the sheer sort of number of connections that he has. He ranks 669. There's, there was a, I think the most connected one, if I remember right, was just sort of an actor that had been in a bunch of different genres, but not as a feature actor. So he's just sort of rotating around, but you're building all of those relationships. The thing that's most fascinating to me is that you don't necessarily have to be that number one person. Even someone with as terrible a network as Kevin Bacon can create all the value in the world from connecting multiple different people and have that affect his career too. I mean, the guy's actually been in a visa ad about six degrees of Kevin Bacon, right? All because of this thing that just happened, even though he wasn't the most connected. So everyone has this potential. You don't have to be that super extroverted guy who knows how to work the room type person. We all have that potential. We just need to pay a little bit more attention to the network that's around us and then respond accordingly. Yeah. When it's not just the artificial connections, it's not like the number of LinkedIn connections. It's like the number of legit connections. Like that's based on the people he's actually been in a movie with and that right. kind of like a, a, re a real relationship. 
Yeah. And, and actually we dive into some of the research on uh, really most of these online tools, whether it be LinkedIn or Facebook or Twitter or what have you, most of them are only really effective to the extent that they're a supplement for your existing offline network, not a replacement for, right? So it's great to do it. It's great to jump into LinkedIn groups or Facebook groups and interact. You also have to sort of be finding ways to make that connection a bit more personal before it gets really valuable. Social media is only a supplement. Not so a replacement. Sort of like as a supplement of your offline community. Yeah. Not a yeah. replacement. Uh, uh, that's good. A supplement of, and not a replacement of your offline community. That's, that's powerful. Um, cause it answers the question, is it relevant? Yes. But is it replacing? No, it's right. both. And, uh-huh. and they're, they're, we all know those people that spend a little bit too much time on it and not enough time, like, like you said, going door to door and doing the cold calling or doing whatever the hard work of getting in front of people is. Yeah. Uh, we tell ourselves that, oh, I'm, I'm building my network. I'm doing this thing. Like, no, you're not. You're just posting articles on LinkedIn and calling that network. And like, that's not, that's a great supplement to help you with connections, but it is not a replacement for the, the old school ways. And it's interesting oh. in the age of technology and all of this data that that's what we find. Right. So, so, uh, buddy, so friend of a friend. So this is, this is the book, behavioral science, you know, looking at network science, talking about, you know, let me connect the dots for many of you listening, right? If you're in sales, we would call this the science of referrals. Uh, so it's very, very hyper, extremely relevant to you. Where do you want people to go, David, to, to learn about you and get connected, get the book, et cetera? Well, I guess the, the first place they should go is actually probably the show notes for your episode because then they can get connected to your community. Then they could go to davidberkus.com, but they're gonna, you're going to link to that anyway in the show notes, right? So go to the That's show notes right. for Action Catalyst Podcast. Start you know there. What? And then so I'm sure good. you'll find me because I know how the network works. That's really cool. And um, anyways, so brother, you, you know how much I respect your intelligence and I love your heart and everything that you're doing. Um, if somebody's out there listening right now, you know, just in the spirit of the Action Catalyst Podcast, um, what is the first thing that you would have them take action on in terms of implementing everything that they are, are learning here and what we're talking about um, so far? So the, the first thing I would probably want them to do is in line with a little bit of what we talked about with the research on weak ties, which is I want you to think of five people that you haven't talked to in six months to a year. And I want you to do the work of reaching back out to them, engaging them in a conversation. You have my permission to wait till you find a relevant reason to do it, but you don't have my permission to ignore making the list. Get that list made, put it in front of you. And when the, you start to think about them or you read an article that they'd be interested in, or you see them post something online about what they're up to, that's your reason. That's your ramp to go back and reconnect with them and focus in on, on that first uh, because it's more comfortable, but it's hugely beneficial to not just you, the overall network. And when you say reconnect, you mean a phone call, a meeting, an a phone call, an email, a text message, an invitation oh, okay. to coffee, et cetera. Yeah. A- anything that starts that conversation again. Got it. All right, my friends, David Burkus is who you're listening to, davidburkus.com. Fascinating stuff, relevant stuff. And uh, man, we just appreciate you again, the fresh perspective on this and, and we wish you all the best. Oh, thank you so much. And thank you so much for having me and for sharing me with your community. I really appreciate it. Such good stuff and fresh stuff there to me. It occurs to me as fresh um, in the space of networking, I guess, if you want to call it that. And some really great SAT words <laughs> that came out of that interview. And I'm actually, I've gone back through and I've pulled them all together and we're going to review them. Here's a couple things. What I'm going to do, first of all, I want to start with a glossary, an index of terms. So I thought this was pretty powerful though, because I think it's cool to 
it's cool to know and understand that there's actual science behind the concept of networking and that people really study this and that it it's it's more than just sort of instinct. And some of these terms, they're sort of fancy terms. It's like investing. There's a bunch of these fancy terms for concepts that are pretty simple. But being able to to speak the lingo and understand it, I think, brings power and validity to the whole conversation. So um, first of all, uniplex versus multiplex. So if you remember, uniplex, it, uniplexity versus multiplexity. So uniplex is like you have one thing in common. And multiplex is you have multiple, sort of like multiple things in common. There's multiple ties. So we're going we're gonna to talk about that in a minute. And then another word that he introduced was homophily, which I've never heard that term, which is that likes, like, likes. I've heard that before, right? So we teach that in Navigate when... Um, some you know some of my business partners Dustin Hillis and Steve Reiner they co-authored the book Navigate 2.0 and you know we we talk a lot about that in the the mastermind virtual trainings we just finished doing a whole uh, series of uh, three or four trainings on Navigate and the four different behavioral styles and one of the concepts is that likes like likes and you naturally sell to people who are like you and you naturally lead well people who are like you but then you have hard time with people who are not naturally like you. So I'm familiar with that concept, but I've never heard the term homophily, which I guess is what in network science they would just call that, is that likes, like, likes. Next is transitivity. Transitivity. So what that is, if you remember, he was saying if A, if person A knows person B, then person A and person Okay, so if person A knows person B and person B knows person C, then it is likely that person C knows person A, which is how when you go on LinkedIn and Facebook, they make like an Instagram or whatever, they make these friend suggestions. It's because it's based on this this idea, which is kind of, again, obvious, but maybe not so obvious, but the word transitivity sort of this interconnectivity of networks is really is really powerful and i'm going to i'm going to take these terms and put them into action here in a second so the next was structural holes structural holes is basically like where he was saying you're connecting two planets together so you have one body of people and another body of people and there but the, if they don't know each other there's a structural hole in the network and that is one of the places that we're you know really going to highlight in terms of where you create value and then the last term is social capital social capital so social capital was the value given or the value that results for the person doing the connecting so it's it's this sort of byproduct where the two people introduced are the ones who really benefit from each other but somehow there is this residual benefit to the person making the connection which is called social capital so those are some fancy words to help you when you're your next scrabble game and so I want to connect those now to the, these were the, the three biggest insights that I learned from David. And then I think three sort of action items that apply to me and to you, you know, to apply those two. So, so the first thing that he said 
which I thought was really fresh. And he didn't necessarily say it exactly this way, but this is how I interpreted it. He said, don't build a network. Uncover the network in which you already exist inside of. Don't think of it as building a network. Uncover the network of which you already exist inside of. And that is, it's a different, that's a paradigm shift, right? It's a paradigm shift from, from saying, oh, I'm going out and I'm like meeting new people. Like I'm, I'm going and meeting strangers to this, this sort of idea of saying, let me connect and uncover and map a, a communities that already exist inside of. Like you're listening to this podcast right now and you have no idea that there's, you know, tens of thousands of people every single month who are also listening to this, right? They're also interested in the same things that you are, which means they probably have a lot of the same sort of hopes and dreams and desires and challenges and struggles that you do. And you're not even aware and maybe have never even had that thought that you are a part of this community because the way that you interact with this sort of information is individually as it comes to you. And that's was a huge epiphany that we had was like, oh my gosh, we have to connect everybody. Like if we could just connect and it happens because we see it from this global view of all of our clients and stuff. And it's like, oh my gosh, like that client should be working with that client. And these, these people have the same values as this person, but it's like, we have to, we have to do a better job connecting y'all. So, so number two, I thought this was so actionable is ask about non-work facets first. Ask about non-work facets first, even if you're at a networking meeting, which is so true because it, it feels like that it's always easier to bring up. Like it's, to me, there's something awkward about walking up to somebody and saying, uh, hi, what's your name? Even that somehow feels intrusive. But if you're commenting on something they're doing or something they're wearing or something that you're both experiencing, like, oh my gosh, it's so hot in here, right? Or or whatever, or you you're something that's sort of, almost ancillary, it's easier to somehow open that conversation because it's not as, uh, I think it's not as abrupt and it's not as intrusive as like, what do you do? Or who do you work for? Or what is your name? And this idea of multiplexity is really powerful. Things where you have more than one touch point, where you have more than one thing in common. And that's how you build relationships, right? Relationships are about multiplexity. You have deeper relationships with people that you have more in common with and people that it's not just having more in common with them. You might have a thousand things in common with the stranger sitting next to you on the airplane, but it's about knowing the things that you have in common with them. And so focus on the non-work facets first. Focus on the non-work facets first. Don't necessarily jump to right into what do you do. And I think he said, you know, there's this air of being too work focused. And, and, then, and then sort of similarly though also, don't make the mistake of forgetting to ask your friends what they do, right? So once it's like, once they are friends, don't make the mistake of forgetting to ask them what they do and and have, you know, sort of connect your friend community to your work community, which relates to number three in terms of my takeaways from him, which was that social media is a supplement, not a replacement for your offline community. And I very much uh, agree and believe with that. There's powerful things of social media, right? Like our digital marketing consulting team is helping clients 
use social media and email marketing and digital marketing to, to generate leads, it's a great thing to do. It also, though, is it's it's not a complete replacement for your offline community, right? There's you're still having to have human interactions, human conversations, and for us, even at Southwestern Consulting, I think it's why we've sort of are evolving a little bit to where we have we are doing some digital marketing and strategies and stuff because it's part of what we do, and we're practitioners and we teach what we do, but we're still as passionate as ever and convicted as ever about the power of sales and human interaction and helping people make decisions because you need it's not one or the other, it's both. And so, online is sort of like marketing, and offline is more like sales. It's almost like how I connected and, and think about what we do, right? We basically are doing sales, marketing, and leadership because all of those functions grow sales. You're generating the lead, you're closing the lead, and then you're developing the leaders who manage both of those processes. And so when we say we elevate sales, it's like that is what we do, even though we have these subsets. It's it's very similar to you that you have some digital presence probably that is important, but it's a supplement, not a replacement for your human relationships and for your offline community. So I think that is is really, really cool. So in terms of takeaways and action items for 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 me and and for you the the first thing is a is a, an instruction for how to think and that is to remember that this is referrals that in your business or your movement or your not for profit or whatever your mission is that you're out there promoting passionately and and maybe you're making income from it maybe you're just making a difference from it maybe you're doing both this is referrals. This network science is a science that supports that as a business strategy, but it has this sort of nuance of uncovering the network for which you already exist inside of. So just you make that connection that networking or behavioral connectivity, network science, the way that that translates is referrals. Don't miss that connection point. The second thing which is more of a another paradigm thing in terms of to take action on. And this one is this one is huge. This one is so important. And is probably the biggest mistake that people make that when it comes to networks is provide value first. You help them, you teach them, you connect them. Everybody who says networking doesn't work is usually people who go to networking meetings trying to take, right? They're trying to pull something out. The value of the, the, the real value that shows up for you in a network is the social capital. It's that, it's that part of, of the transitivity of, of where you fill the gap of those structural holes. When you connect you know, planet A to planet B, and you're like the intermediary, you're the, you're the broker, you're the exchange, you, you create that. And think about how many professions that exist where there is actual money paid because of a brokering relationship, right? Like real estate agents, they're, 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 they're real estate brokers. They broker a transaction. They help a buyer find a pair with a seller. Financial advisors are brokers, right? It's like they're, they're pairing money, people who have money with investments that, that fund, you know, are funded with money. 
Those are brokers, agents like sports agents. We have on Southwestern Consulting, we have a whole team of speaking agents who their whole thing is they're connecting clients who have events that need speakers with people like me and our other speakers. They're they're brokering that relationship. And and in in some way, you could think of all of sales as brokering. As you're connecting somebody with a need to a solution. It's like there's power, not just power, there's profit in brokering things. Well, when you connect people, even if you're not selling, even if there's not a financial transaction, but when you connect people, there is a residual value for you as the broker, which is huge. Because if you realize that, then you realize there's service in just connecting people. And you do it not to make money, you do it to help, you do it to like support. But but realize it's a valuable activity, like a it's a it's an it can it's an income producing activity, right? You're it, now it comes back to you maybe in an indirect way, but it comes back to you. So focus on providing value first. Don't be afraid of getting paid in social capital and not just financial capital, because social capital is worth a lot, and more and more today, like more than ever social capital is worth a lot, right? Like you see all these people making millions of dollars getting paid because of their social followings online. It's it's a new world. And all, it's actually the same world that's always been there. It's just now we're able to see it because of social media. It's like we, it's like social media is like an articulation of networks. It's a visual representation of networks that have always existed. But now you can now you can see it and it's almost like you can you can you can measure a person's influence because you can see the strength of their connectivity and and who are they influencing and who are they influenced by and and social capital is is a big big deal. And then the third thing, this is an action item and and this will if you're in any type of sales right? If you're in any type of sales or recruiting, this is a game changer. And this is, this is perhaps one of our greatest like secrets that we do at Southwestern Consulting. It's, it's one of the reasons that we succeed. It's something we call a hot 100 list. And all of our new consultants, whether they're, you know, all of our new coaches, all of our new like speaking agents, everybody who is in, has a role on our team of selling, we take them through and we teach them how to do a hot 100 list. And what this is, is what David Burkis, what he just referred to is these are your dormant ties. These are people that you have real relationships with. They're not strangers, but that you haven't talked to in a while. And that is your hot 100 list. You create a hot, you create a, a list of a hundred people of your dormant ties. And then, and then you contact them and you get referrals. Um, and you know, we teach you how to get referrals and then consulting and in our coaching and stuff. That's what we teach people how to do is what to say to get the referral. But the point is create the hot 100 list of your hundred best dormant ties. And then you call those people and you don't try to sell to those people. You call those people to get introduced to other people that is uncovering the network that you exist inside of. So those are some you know, SAT words, a couple big paradigm shifts, and hopefully some actions that you can take to make a big difference in your life because it will make a difference. But here's the the thing. I promise, promise, promise. If you focus on providing value to other people, 
If you focus on serving, if you focus on helping, eventually it will come back to you. Maybe not directly, maybe not today, but it comes back to you and it comes back to you not in a linear relationship, but an exponential relationship. So help people, serve people, connect people, love people, and those people will benefit you. Well, that about wraps up the Action Catalyst podcast for this week. If you haven't yet, please log in to whatever your favorite medium is to listen to the show and both rate this podcast and leave a comment as that helps new prospective listeners determine if the show's really a good fit for them. If you enjoy this podcast, please make sure to subscribe, leave a review, and screenshot this episode to share with your friends on social media. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Action Catalyst and subscribe to our video podcast on YouTube. Thanks for listening.